look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How are you, sir? Well, I'm great, my friend. How about you? Uh, great. Are you uh, recovered from all that partying that the Stamps won? Mm, yes, I am. It was, uh, it was a good win. It's nice for the city. Right? Put one under our belt. Yeah, it was like a... It was always like a bridesmaid to- two times in a row, and now, yeah. we're, now we're the bride. Well, well, you're a bride. So that's, <laughs> you see. Well, what? Wow, it's going to be that kind of Saturday, <laughs> is it? Okay. Um, speaking of, I, I actually, there's no segue. Don't here, segue on that one. There's just, no, just no, cut We're, we're just going to jump to the just next Just move on. Topic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's, this is kind of what we call our water cooler section, right? It's, it, we talk about things that um, clients' conversations or second opinions. What, you know, what's the trend? What are people talking about? I know last week you and... Uh, Andrew talked a lot about fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked a lot of, you know, this week was interesting in the sense that uh, let's discuss what the markets, why, why the volatility, what are the markets trying to get their head around? Not just general fear, okay? But let's, let's try to provide that education, give somebody an understanding of what markets are trying to reprice. Because in the absence of that information, Faisal, people just revert to sheer panic and you can make bad decisions, right? But the market is trying to digest some of the things that are going on. Correct. Right. Sort of, I'm going to give you sort of four big things that, that the market's been trying to w- w- figure out. October the 3rd, we had the U.S. Uh, federal chair, uh, Powell, mm-hmm. talking about interest rates using language that was suggesting to the market that, um, that rates may be going up farther and faster than uh, originally anticipated. Correct. Okay? We got some news this week that was different. We can talk about that. But, sure. Sure, but for sure, interest rates... The path of interest rates, where they're going, how fast is a concern, and, and markets are trying to figure that out and price it a prop, uh, properly. We've got the, the Chinese and U.S. trade dispute. I mean, it's bigger than that, but those are the two big uh, sort of gorillas in the room right now battling it out. The market's trying to sort of price out what risk is involved and attached to that. We've got some issues around Brexit, right? Yep. So we're in the final strokes here trying to figure out whether or not the U.K. is going to pass this and what it's going to look like. The March deadline is approaching, so the market's trying to figure that out. And then, you know, you'd put, uh, I'd throw in that category as well, a little bit about Italy and some of the budgetary problems sure. and, and their bond markets. So there are some real issues that, you know, bo- stock and bond markets are, are, are trying to figure digest, out. Digest, yep. Right. Yep. Um, now, we did a conference call not long ago, and, and none of the economic data, what we suggested to clients, none of the economic data suggests this is a recession. We have Correct. global growth taking place. Hey, albeit perhaps slowing uh, from the second quarter, but global growth is taking place. We've had lots of questions about, is this a 2008 scenario, right? I mean, let's think about 2008. 2008, we were worried about an entire collapse, like a global collapse of the entire financial global system, right? This is not a 2008 scenario, right? But, but there are some issues that the market's trying to, uh, to determine. So Fed, uh, Fed Chair Powell. October 3rd makes some, uh, makes some comments that led the market to believe that what he calls the neutral rate, this is the interest rate at which the U.S. Fed believes uh, doesn't hurt, nor does it hinder economic progress in the United States. Yeah. Suggesting that that neutral rate was um, higher than I think what many market participants felt. And that started the, the volatility. We saw a lot of volatility in October as Correct. you know stocks and bonds are all getting repriced according to what may happen as a result of that. Well, this past week we got some, you know, we got some different commentary um, from from the chair, supported by last month's Fed minutes to their meeting. 
suggesting that the neutral rate perhaps isn't all that far away now. So interest rates may not be going up as far as fast as markets were pricing. It's interesting you say that because if you look at the communique of, the, of, of Fed Powell and the entire committee, you see that the range of neutral goes from 2.75 to 3.75. Right. That's a wide range. It's a wide range. 2.75 suggests nothing right now, no changes. 3.75 suggests five interest rate increases to get to the neutral stance. Right. Look how wide that is. The market has basically priced in that it's not going to happen in the near term, right. next, tw- next six months, maybe one interest rate increase. So the markets are repricing just on the verbiage right. of what, what the, uh, the, the committee has basically said. And so I think this is where people have to take a step back and let, let individual traders and economists predict that stuff. When you're an individual living in Calgary, investing, you know, transitioning or living in retirement, trying to predict what the Fed's going to do before you do it, which is what the market's doing based upon what those market leaders are trying to make it happen, uh, is a very difficult task. It's third generation uh, information that you're working on. I think you need to look at some key trends. As long as the fundamentals work, and today we're talking about Fed and we're talking about interest rates and we're talking about Brexit. And if you go back a few years ago, we were talking about Greece. Yep. You go back a few years ago, we were talking about recession and depression potentially. And you go back a few years before that, and there's always something to talk about. Yep. And there's, but if you look at that and you say, Pretend there was no such thing as the information of why and just look at the fundamentals of how. It doesn't matter what what people are talking about as long as you invest on the fundamentals. And the fundamentals have really no present sign of recession at this point in time over the next 12 months. So what are some of those signs? We look at an inverted yield curve. We're getting close, but we're not there yet. The manufacturing index is still looking good. Positive inflationary trends, looking good. Um, you know, utilization of, of capacity, looking good. Like, I can go on yeah. and on and on. There's so many different indicators that we look at, and if those things are continually looking good, the fundamentals say it's still a good place to invest into. However, can you handle the volatility is a different conversation than can you just invest on fundamentals? Because mm-hmm. as long as you believe in the fundamentals are, are, are solid or are sound on your, on your argument, then you, can, you should be able to handle the volatility. But when you look at those statements month to month, it, it can be quite concerning. Well, for sure. And, and you know, I, I wanted to raise this topic only because I think that, um, that gut feel uh, and hope, fear, and despair are not strategies, right? Uh, strategies are based on, on fundamentals. Correct. Now, markets can trade around things, and they can get it wrong in the short term, and fear and greed and all those things can influence markets. But ultimately, over cycles, okay, what you have to do is focus on the, the economics and pick good quality assets, you know, given the economics and so on and so forth. That hasn't changed over time. And, and it's the same thing now, right? That's so the only thing that's constant. That's Everything right. else is noise and people reacting to it. Right. And that's, that's the emotion of it. it and it's, I know it's hard, but if we can just stay disciplined to the fundamentals – you're going to be fine over the longer period of time. And I'm speaking five to 10 years. I'm not talking 20, 30 years like some people talk about when they mention long term. Could we only look in five and 10 year buckets, right? 
Yeah, no, exactly right. Okay, uh, you know, we could we can continue. I, I didn't want to go down a, um, you know, a, a path of just talking about fear, but it is arming yourself with the proper information so that Correct. you can make appropriate decisions. And now so we, get the advice, understand what the fundamentals are, and can you accept the volatility given the fundamentals today is my advice or recommendation for everybody. Get that advice is very important. We and we have got a good up, show. Yeah, we just wrapped up Financial Literacy Month. That's right. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, do you know what, uh, what uh, you need to do to handle your finances? better uh, we talk to our our financial literacy leader about that and she'll be she'll be discussing uh what are the key things and also it's the season that people start start to give yeah. uh we kick off uh december talking to a charity near and dear to us which is the calgary children's foundation so yep. looking forward to that yeah and we'll talk about different ways to give strategies and uh, we'll talk to betty joe kaiser about uh, about what the calgary children's foundation does now this one's near and dear to us my friend but it doesn't uh, exclude others so there's lots of people that have very specific uh, causes that they support as a result of, you know, family and so on and so forth. So, Correct. Um, you know, tis the season for sure. Now, we've got our uh, our last seminar of the year coming up. That's right. December 4th. Yeah, normally we don't do one in December. No. We had to add one because more and more people are concerned about their retirement. Right. Yeah. More and more people are concerned about their future and how with this kind of volatility, I can't handle it. I don't know if it's going to work out. A lot of people don't know how they're going to have their income, how to... We call it bulletproofing your retirement. It People are very concerned out there. They really want to get this information. So we had to add on a, uh, a session in December because of the demand. More importantly, um, we're pretty much booked up uh, yeah. on yeah. that session. Yeah. And that's on Tuesday, December the 4th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beers. Now, we do have a few seats. So you need to register. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can go online to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Don't go away. We'll be talking about the special Calgary charity on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. You know, my friend, we're moving into a period of time where there's lots of things, family, uh, charity, gifting, lots of things that go beyond just money. Correct. Right? It goes to helping others and reaching out, a time of the year that's really um, really enjoyable for us. And, and next Friday, of course, is Pledge Day. Uh, yes. It's a big day for you and I and for the, the Popwich Carmelli team. We support uh, the Calvary Children's Foundation for and have for a number of years. You serve on its board, and it's been a terrific uh, a terrific organization. So we thought we would use that, not just to sort of plug uh, the Calgary Children's Foundation, but to talk about gifting, right? Correct. And how to gift and what you can do for gift. But that's not to say we're not going to spend a little bit of time with Betty Jo Kaiser, who is, uh, has been an integral part of the uh, Calgary Children's Foundation. Betty Jo, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Okay, so I'm gonna we're gonna start with a with a shameless plug because this is an <laughs> an issue that's important to all three of us. But yes. I, I want to talk about Pledge Day because Pledge Day is coming up on Friday. Tell us a little bit about what Pledge Day is. Pledge Day is the one day of the year where where everyone at 770 CHQR kind of stops what they normally do. We park the politics of the day. We park the opinions. I mean, you still tune in at the top of the hour for news, of course, and we're still going to give you your, you know, your traffic and your stocks and your important stuff. But 13 hours of our broadcast day 
is dedicated to the Calgary Children's Foundation. And that's this little charity that was founded by this very radio station and the Weston Calgary. Actually, before the Weston was the Weston, it was the Calgary Inn. Mm -hmm. These two organizations came together and said, you know what, we got to make life better for some kids in Calgary. They started in 74. In 92, they decided to open it up, really formalize the the charity and and... since 1992, we give to a wide variety of kids' charities in the city. So it's the one day, Pledge Day is one day, where we we don't do the regular business of radio. Instead, we dedicate it to the community. So we ask our listeners and our advertisers to make a donation, and we bring the charities on air, and they tell their stories of what they're doing to help kids reach their full potential and marry the two together. And then in the spring, we disperse the money back out. And it is such a great, simple project. Money in, money out, right to the front lines, right to the grassroots projects that are really helping Calgary kids. Can, can I jump in here, uh, Dave and Betty Joe? Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, because what happens in between of when we collect the funds and when we distribute the funds is a very grueling process. And, I'll, and the reason why I say it's grueling is because when Betty Joe and I and the rest of the board sit down and go through all the requests... And there's a lot of requests, especially because of economic times, you do see an increase of need out there. And some of these charities are stretched. They have no more money. Some of them can't get money because they don't have a marketing budget to go out and campaign for cash. Um, And so they do um, register or apply for some money from the foundation. The grueling process that we go through on the board is actually trying to say yes to a certain char- charity and no to a certain charity. And I can tell you some of them are, are, are easy to do. They may not fit children, for example. They fit something else. And, or or their, their financial finances of that charity is way out of whack where a lot of it's in administration fees or they've got a big reserve fund they're using for, for the charity, but they still want more money. Like We, we kind of weed those ones out. But the grueling part of this is actually saying no to a charity that we wish we could sure. say yes to. Absolutely. And it's very difficult. So, yes, giving those checks out and seeing the smiles on the faces and what happens with that money is fantastic. Um, the way that we can solve that problem, that grueling process, because Betty Cho and I spend a lot of time on this stuff, is if we can get more donations. Yep. Right. If we can get more money to come in to help all the needs. Now, obviously, it can't be done because there's an infinite amount of need and there's only a certain amount of money. Uh, going around, but in, in times like this, economically speaking, we've we've seen the impacts in the city. Um, we're seeing more and more people in need, and unfortunately, it's a trickle down of need. If the parents can't support themselves, how are they going to be able to support their children? If children are not uh, taken care of first, uh, then they're the ones that are that are looked at last, and so we need to see more and more people taking an eye of that. So, Betty Jo, when, when people are thinking about donating and so forth, what are some of the ways that they can donate to, to the Calgary Children's Foundation? Well, Pledge Day, of course, is Friday, December the 7th. They can just phone the regular number that would normally phone in if they wanted to make a comment, 974-8255. The simplest way is probably to go online right now, Cal- the calgarychildrensfoundation.com, and there's a page to donate. You can donate online with your credit card or you can actually donate securities and if you click on that on our donate page uh, it gives you some information and that's just another another option another way but I think it's really important guys that we mention because I know people are being very careful with their 
dollars, and especially the dollars they're, when they're donating. They want to give from the heart. They want to give, in many cases, locally. They want to know that it's going to have impact. I can cover all of that, but the other thing is 90% of the donations go right to the front line. Yes. Global takes care of, Global Radio takes care of all of the overhead. My desk is here. My office is here. I use the phone and the paper and all of that stuff that often, you know, adds up and costs money. That's all taken care of by Chorus. We have a great partnership with a group called Associations Plus. They take care of most of the fees when it comes to making sure the charitable tax receipts are sent out. They take care of our taxes and they they do a lot of the accounting function. They charge very little for that. That's their gift back to the community. So I think it's important for potential donors to understand when you give to the Calgary Children's Foundation, 90% of your dollar is going directly into the communities, the programs that are affecting kids. And I have to say, Faisal does a remarkable job pouring over the financials of all of our applicants. And and there is a very healthy debate that happens around the table. Because you know what? There are a couple of big charities we give to. Um, a good example might be Boys and Girls Club. Everyone's heard of them. They're well-known. They have a fundraising department. They have a communications department. But you know what else they have? An incredible reach to a huge number of kids in need. Yes. Yes. So we say, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> these guys are pretty well-heeled. But at the same time, wow, they're feeding thousands of kids in this city. So it's a really deliberate four-hour grueling process. Like I say, Faisal does a ton of work um, on the front end with me going through all of the financials, and I'm really proud of that. I'm proud that we put so much energy into understanding what these charities do, how they're affecting children. And the other thing, guys, I think it's important, you know, your, your, your heartstrings get pulled. No one wants to see a kid with physical disabilities struggling. No one wants to see a kid whose parents are barely above the poverty line, struggling. No one wants to see a kid who's, you know, home alone after school. We really try and spread it around. We're really hitting all those marks. There are summer camps for kids with very special medical needs. They can't go to regular summer camp. A lot of these are run by the parents. They're not looking for gobs of money. They just need a few hundred bucks so that they can get some medical equipment out to the camp. So if one of those kiddos has a medical emergency everything is fine. So our our the range we give to is so vast and that's why tuning in on pledge day would be really great because then you can get a better understanding of just how different, how many different charities, how many different needs there are and how we try and catch as many kids falling through the cracks as possible. That's good. Uh, uh, let your passion come out, Betty Jo. We can't quite, <laughs> we can't quite tell. <laughs> okay, I won't hold back anymore. <laughs> Very quickly before we have to finish off this segment, uh, Faisal, there are different ways that people can donate, right? Some are more tax efficient than others. Correct. In Calgary, we know that there's a very high percentage of ownership in equities and whatnot. Just walk us through a little bit. If if you don't just want to donate cash, how else can you donate and take advantage of the taxes? Yeah, so the the big benefit is we've seen some run-up in certain stocks out there. People have seen some appreciation and they're non-registered accounts, so not RSPs, not TFSAs, Uh, they can actually donate those securities in kind, which means they do not take on that capital gains tax. They get the full value of whatever the the investment was sold at uh, as a donation, so they get the full tax benefit on that as well, and they can see that the money goes across to the charity. And in Calgary Children's Foundation's um, side, we've made a pledge to them so that we will cover those trading costs so that that the, the 
foundation doesn't see that either. So when you talk about governance and low cost, this foundation has done a very good job to make sure that the money goes in the right place, the, the costs are down, and we can make sure that we hit the front line of those children because they really, really need it. Yeah. Okay. We've got to um, we've got to cut it off here. That so we've we have obviously given a uh, a, a plug to Pledge Day, and we're we're very passionate about the Calgary Children's Foundation. It, I don't want to exclude any other charities that our listeners are passionate about. Like sure. whatever it is, this is a good time to take advantage and of it. And check if you can donate securities because right. not all charities accept them, but Correct. take a look into that because there is a huge tax benefit uh, for, for Canadians by donating securities versus cash that's done on an after-tax basis. Huge, huge benefit. Okay, we're going to talk about um, all kinds of things uh, with respect to retirement. Taxes is an important piece of them, or important piece of the puzzle. And that's uh, we're going to be covering that on our December 4th seminar. Yeah, we only have a few seats left, so you need to uh, call in or register online for Tuesday, December 4th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Give us a call, 966-8400. 966-8400 is the number, or register at morethanmoneyradio.com. We're on a quest to educate as many Calgarians in particular, but Canadians in general, about uh, financial literacy. And guess what? We've got Jane Rooney joining us after the break uh, to help us understand a little bit about uh, financial literacy month, which was November. Stick around for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, it's our favorite time of the year, buddy. Well, we're actually, we're a little bit late this year in terms of Financial Literacy Month. We're right at the tail end of it. Oh, I thought you were talking about Cyber Monday. I'm like, you're still <laughs> off on that one, too. You missed all your shopping days, my friend. you got to pay full price now. I was going to try to sing something there, too, and then I realized I got a day job, and it's better that way. Uh, yeah, even the day job we got to worry about, too. So, yeah. <laughs> Each year, we have the pleasure of talking to uh, to Jane Rooney, who's Canada's financial literacy leader. Really, right from the day she took the position to uh, you know to this year, and each year we make an effort to try to raise financial literacy. I mean, that's what we do on a day to day basis in our in our jobs and our careers, working with clients. And we just want to extend that to as many people as we can possibly touch. So, I want to welcome Jane back to the show. Jane, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be with you both. Well, it's uh, we're a little late this year in terms of uh, the, uh, the month here. We're wrapping it up. But uh, the point is, I think we, we still want to make sure that people, uh, particularly people moving into retirement age, but everybody, all Canadians, uh, have access to good information. Financial literacy is important, Faisal, right? Taking control, understanding, um, you know, about how to handle finances is, is, is absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. And I think... Um, the more and more that people are informed and educated, the, the more successful they will be in dealing with their finances going forward. So I'm, I'm really happy we're having Jane on the show today. Yeah. So, Jane, what, uh, so what's been the focus uh, of the month, um, the key messages you're pushing? Just maybe give us an overview and we can dig into a couple of areas. Sounds great. Well, happy Financial Literacy Month. As you know, every uh, year, the month of November is dedicated to raising awareness about the importance of building one's knowledge, their skills, their confidence around making money decisions. This year, our theme was invest in your financial well-being. And as we talk about financial literacy, we're talking about knowledge and skills. But when we push into financial well-being, we're really looking at helping people feel better about their money decisions and feeling more in control of money. So that was really the focus this month. And there were hundreds of organizations and hundreds of events across Canada. Um, it's really important for people to come to the federal government's website at canada.ca slash money because we have tons of information um, to help build one's financial well-being. But it's also a, an opportunity for you to come to our website to find out what others are doing. And we can help you do that. 
So, and let's talk about that. So there's lots of sources of information. Maybe let's just get right off the top. If, you know, somebody's interested in, in educating themselves, getting better control of the financial and money decisions they make, uh, where can they go? You've got a terrific uh, source on your website. Yeah, thank you. On Canada.ca slash money, FCAC, where I work, the federal government, we have lots of information on the topics, you know, like how to manage your money and debt, how to use credit wisely, um, the types of products and services that one might uh, come across. But we also have this great financial literacy database, and it has over 1,400 resources from other organizations, you know, tools, tip sheets, programs that they run within your own community, within your own province. Um, and so you can narrow down what's the topic you're looking for, what type of organization are you looking for, help from a federal government, provincial government, a financial institution, or, or a nonprofit that does great work. You know, there are lots in Calgary, which is wonderful. Uh, Momentum Calgary has some great information in our database. So it's called the Canadian Financial Literacy Database, and it's got a houses a wealth of information to help Canadians increase their financial knowledge. So maybe let's just talk about, about why. I mean, when people think about going to a website to read about financial information, I'm pretty sure that most people don't get overly excited about that. Mm -hmm. But it is critical. It is important to do it. Um, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Uh, some of the stuff can be technical, but some of the basics, you know, are, are easily understandable and put you in a position, as Jane said, of, of control. What kinds of things? So let's talk maybe about retirement, um, Jane, a little bit about that. So from a financial literacy perspective, give us maybe some of the, 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 the key concepts that people should understand as they're moving into retirement from a, from a literacy perspective. Yeah, great idea. I mean, we know that seniors are moving into their older years with more debt. So just a, a bit of the context right now, you know, we have high debt and low savings. So as you're trying to build towards um, and think about the lifestyle you want to live in your older years, it's important to kind of think you need to start planning, setting savings goals. Um, and so planning and, and using a, something like a budget, so you're tracking your expenses, you know where your, your money's coming in uh, from, and that could be workplace or it could be, you know, pensions, it could be from government benefits, but it's important to capture what's coming in and what you're spending, and then you can make some really good decisions about your spending habits and feel more in control of your money when you see it uh, in paper. So we're really encouraging people to, to set up a budget to identify what kinds of, of sources of income you might have access to. So as you're entering your senior years, there are different government benefits. It's important to uh, to find that information on Canada.ca. You know, Canada Pension Plan, Old Age Security. Uh, for, for lower and modest income Canadians, there's the Guaranteed Income Supplement. So are those um, income streams that you can benefit from? Really important to learn a little bit more about doing your taxes so you can get those benefits that you have access to. So key is some information gathering. Um, important to plan and save for your financial future. Try to identify what kind of uh, life you would like to lead so that you have a better sense of what kind of money you need to save for. Um, but also the, the great thing is we're all living longer, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to plan and save for a longer time in our, in our older years. And that might mean, you know, higher health care costs as you age. It might mean, um, do you want to stay in your home or do you want to, to live in care um, facilities? So those kinds of things have money implications. And, you know, financial literacy is so important because every single day we all make money decisions. 
But as you as you um, age and as you go into your senior years, you might have lower income or be on a fixed income, and so money decisions might have a bigger impact on you. So again, leading into those years, really good to get financial professional financial support, um, get some good advice from from financial planners or advisors in this space and plan and set some savings goals. You know, Dave, um, I get a lot of phone calls that come into us asking about how do I calculate my income? What are some of the basic information that I need? What's CPP at? What's old age security? Like they they don't really always have that information at their fingertips. So I really like the uh, the website at Canada.ca slash money. In fact, if you hit the uh, the point on that on the one web on the web page basically that says um, pensions and retirement, for example, you can actually get into a retirement calculator. Yep. We're going to give you the numbers. So there's people that can actually do this themselves and kind of get an idea of where they are. Of course, you need the advice and the help and the, and the strategies behind it, but it gives you some of that relief. I had people actually call me up and saying, I have no idea how much income I'm going to get in retirement um, because I don't know where to get this information from. Right. Um, I'm scared to fill out the paperwork incorrectly. How do I do that? So on and so forth. There's so much information available on the internet. Unfortunately, if you Google pensions, you know how much information comes at you? You're, you're bombarded yep. with all this stuff. Absolutely. It's nice to have one source of res- uh, one center of resource, which uh, and I do like the uh, the, uh, the the website of of Canada.ca/slash money. Jane, if you want to leave us with a couple of closing thoughts for the listeners, whether they're retired or you know just in general terms, um, maybe give us some pearls of wisdom to wrap up uh, wrap up the month. Sure. So I think it's really important that people. Feel in control of money. We know financial stress is, uh, from Canadians, their number one stressor. And uh, and they actually say that financial stress is more important or, or a higher stress than their own health or, mm-hmm. or family obligations or work obligations. So in order to help reduce financial stress and reduce the impact of that stress on one's person, it's important to come to federal government for help. So Canada.ca slash money. We have um, uh, lots of information that can help you to budget, to set savings goals, to uh, it's really important to set aside emergency savings. You know, if if you have a car repair or need uh, something fixed in the house, it's nice to access savings and even small amounts on a regular basis can really help you feel better and more in control of your money and be able to manage those financial commitments when they do arise. So budget, plan, set aside emergency savings. And if you have debt, really good uh, to, to set a plan to start repaying that debt because interest rates are on the rise. And, uh, and when we have information to help you um, manage your money a little bit better. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we finished up on that debt uh, that is, debt issue. Faisal, we see more and more people uh, moving into retirement with debt, and Jane's correct. If we've got an, a rising interest rate environment, it doesn't take a very big move for that to put additional pressure, right? That stress that Jane talked about on people as they move into a, a period of time when they've got a fixed income. Yeah, right? absolutely. Jane, I want to thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, as always. Uh, until next year, thanks for all the great work we're do- you're doing and your group is doing. And I, I just want to leave this thought with Canadians. You know, Financial Literacy Month is November. That doesn't mean that you can't be, you know, doing work and uh, educating yourself all year round, right? So uh, the website is a terrific resource for that. Thank you, Jane. Thank you so much. You can also call them at one 461 3222 
We've been joined by Jane Rooney, Canada's uh, financial literacy leader. Okay, my friend, we are going to talk about specific financial literacy and strategies and plans to help bulletproof your retirement at our upcoming seminar. Yeah, we'll be discussing that on Tuesday, December the 4th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits and Beer. We have very few seats left, so please register by calling us at 403-966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.ca. Have you heard about the difference between passive and active investing? Well, we're going to talk about in the next segment. Tune in. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, I, a cool show today, Faisal. We talked about a bunch of different things, and, uh, you know, the show's called More Than Money for a reason. Um, you know, this particular season is uh, often driven by, um, you know, different things like charity and giving back and, you know, family and so on and so Very forth. important, yep. Um, at the top of the hour, we talked a little bit about the water cooler and some of the things that are going on and, and strategy and whatnot. I, I got to tell you, there's there's another area that I was hoping that we could address today and have, I, I would say over the past month or even quarter, lots of questions about exchange-traded funds and what's the difference between passive and active investing. Okay. And so, you know, we talk about, we talk about asset allocation, generally speaking, you know, stocks, bonds, what percentage of your portfolio. But there's lots of questions around uh, and lots of education required, I think, around the difference, the different styles and different approaches you can take to if you want to be stock exposed, as an example. Right? Sure. Do you own the S&P 500 index passively through an exchange-traded fund? Do you own an exchange-traded fund that is actively focused on S&P 500 types of companies, right? These kinds of things, people are confused about that. Okay. Um, confused around costs, right? Everybody uh, thinks that exchange-traded funds are cheap. Some can be in terms of fees. Some don't even know there's fees built in there. Some are expensive if they're active. So I thought we would maybe just talk a little bit about different approaches at different times. So here's one of the things I'm concerned about. As exchange-traded funds became popular, more and more money piled into exchange-traded funds. Let's just talk about the S&P 500. So right now, 45% of, of the trades or the money being moved through the S&P 500 index or, right. the, or through the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ is through passive investment or through exchange-traded funds. Okay. Let's think of the implications of that. This is interesting, right? When you put a dollar into an exchange-traded fund that is investing into the S&P 500 index, yep. you are putting... Some proportion uh, or some portion of that dollar into every single one of those 500 companies. It's a market weighted, uh, market cap weighted index. Yep. So each um, each stock gets a piece of it. Now the question is, um, as all of these companies get bid up in price, as more money just indiscriminately flows into them. So there's not any fundamental decisions being made here, right? So you could have one of those 500 companies way overvalued, correct? Based on money just going in on a proportionate basis. So passively speaking, what happens on these, on these kinds of investments is uh, you could be putting money into, you know, overvalued companies, so on and so forth. The averages work out. The other thing that happens is you start to pile money in on, um, say, I'm going to pick on technology for a minute because it's had a very difficult quarter based on valuations, right? So as technology becomes a big technology companies become a bigger percentage of the S&P 500, you're piling a bunch of money into that when you go passively. Okay. Right? So there's... I'm not saying it's right or wrong. What I'm saying is people need to educate themselves about some of the implications the of what they're works, doing. How the ETF right. works. Right, what they're right. doing uh, and where their money is going to. Yep. Okay. So the, the exchange-traded fund, a mutual fund, a hedge fund, a stock, a bond, these are all just financial instruments, right, different tools, if you will, in the toolbox that you can pull out to accomplish different things, 
right? But is passive or active? It's an interesting conversation. Is is low cost ex passive exposure to the S and P five hundred the right thing? Maybe, right? I mean, it's like any other tool. But here's the premise: is the premise is that active money managers cannot outperform the index right. over long term. Right. Therefore, why pay those active management fees right. when you can just buy the index and outperform? Yep. That's that's the premise that every and everybody hangs their investment philosophy on that. Right. Until the markets fall. Right. And when the markets fall 10, 20, 30, 40%, Passive investing is no longer acquired. For example, the S&P 500 index ETFs, the major three on the U.S. market, were aggressively sold in October. Right. That's counterintuitive. If you believe over the long term that the S&P 500 will outperform all money managers, then why sell it? Right. Hold on to it and let it ride. It's because the volatility is not the part of the decision-making process it is purely the index and the net performance at the very end. And unfortunately, our industry just shows what the rate of return was of the investment over the one, three, five, ten years as an example. Okay. What they don't show is what's the best year, what's the worst year, right. what's the average or maximum drawdown you can expect in a given year right. um, in history of that investment. That will give you an understanding of what the worst case scenario looks like. Right. Like We've seen investments that have done fantastic over the last 10 years, but have a 30 or 40% swing on the downside, right. we wouldn't touch it for our clients because it's not, it's not within their risk tolerance. Right. So it's su whether it's suitable or not. So th this is interesting, though. We, we often talk about um, uh, index exposure on the way up. Remember, you get index exposure on the way down, too. So um, when you're doing your analysis, again, I'm not saying which is better or worse. Uh, that's for every individual investor to decide what's suitable. But on the downside, risk management becomes important, particularly in a late cycle trade, right? So if, depending on where you think we are in the economic cycle right now, okay, there's going to be companies and sectors that are more grossly overvalued than others and defensive and, you know, all those different kinds of things. So, yep. so a, a manager, an active management um, is not just about beating on the upside. I mean, that's wonderful if it happens, but it's also about beating on the downside. Mitigating right? risk. Mitigating risk on the downside. And often that can be, that can be a more, more valuable tool, that risk mitigation, a more valuable tool to people in retirement, right? Because as we talk about in our, in our seminars, the farther you fall, the harder it is to get back. And time is not your friend at this stage of life, right? So risk mitigation becomes an important tool. I was uh, listening to Philip Peterson, one of our, our, our contributors to our show, and he mentioned that the markets are investing is like a game of tennis. Okay. Okay. It's not amount number amount of aces you get in a game of tennis that wins the game. Right. It's the amount of unforced errors that you take will determine if you win or lose a game. Well, it's a good analogy. And that was what what really struck with me. When it's the unforced errors. It's the emotional reaction. It's just doing what the herd's doing or what you hear on you know uh, on the media or, or see in the in, in the news. It's it's not sticking to a fundamental viewpoint and understanding that what are you agreeing to? Are you agreeing to whatever the return will be will be the return at any risk? Or are you trying to minimize your risk? And when you transition to or live in retirement, you need to zone in on what volatility you can accept. 
not what rate of return you want. Because right. we're, we're getting people calling us up today saying, I want 6 7 8% rate of returns. What do, we, what do you got? Right. Well, can you take 30 40% volatility potentially? Right. No. Well, right. then you can't get that kind of return, generally speaking. Right. So you need to understand that there's some sort of volatility exposed or risk exposed to a return. And to actually define that for people, they're having a hard time. And I think the next 10 years are not going to be as easy as the last 10 years. No, I'm, I'm with you. And there's right? been a complacency around risk, um, quite frankly, because uh, phase on the last, oh gosh, you could probably call it a decade. We really haven't had a tremendous amount of volatility. There have been bouts of it. Sure. Right, But even this year with two bouts of, call it a, a 10% pullback from peak to trough on the S&P, that's not even correction territory, right? That's just normal stuff. But there's a complacency because things have tended just to go up for a long period of time. And and I guess I just want to raise the alarm bells a little bit that people are, don't forget about that second half of the equation. I think people would be, would be better um, educated if they walk into their advisor and sit down with them and say, here's the amount of volatility I'm willing to take. Right. What's the rate of return that I can receive based upon this volatility? Versus this is how much return I need and will really not play on the on the volatility until it comes because everybody's yeah. scared when the markets fall. Yeah. But if you knew that it was going to happen, you would just kind of go with it. Kind of like when you're on the top of the roller coaster right. and you know you're going down. You know you're going down. Like right. it's it's not a surprise. Right. You just you might be scared. You might be you know have a different feeling, but but you know it's happening. And look forwards, not backwards. Right. It's a really important. Um, you made an interesting comment. I think the next ten years are going to be challenging. Absolutely. Right. So I I agree with you. I don't Which think... I love. I love. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, I get it's it. Fun. But I don't think the next ten years looks like the last ten years. And so be careful when you're forecasting forward that you don't anchor to what happened in the past. Make sure you're looking forward and you're realistically assessing what the risks and opportunities are there going forward. Okay, we've got a seminar coming up. We should remind everybody about that. We're going to talk about the risks and why the next 10 years are going to be different than the last 10 years and what are the concerns and how are we going to actually profit and protect in these types of markets? More importantly, bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, December 4th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400, or go on our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. And don't forget that you can access any of the past segments um, that we talk about on More Than Money at morethanmoneyradio.com, or you can have them directly delivered to you by searching for More Than Money CHQR on Apple uh, Apple Podcast or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.